I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Around 750 million people live on the European continent. So what about it? What will its future look like? Will there ever be a United States of Europe? For this and more, you will hear from European thought leaders, artists, civil society representatives, and all those who care about its future. You will receive key insights into the ways Europe is changing and how your voice can be part of this. I am Paolo De Stilo, and you're listening to Europe Matters. Tonight I'm joined by Gilberto Morichard, who is currently completing his Master's in Public Administration with a focus on international European governance at the University of Leiden. He is based in The Hague, but he does many other things. He is currently a fellow at the German Marshall Fund and is also a global shaper of the World Economic Forum. But at the same time, he works for Colectivo, better known as C2, in Curaçao. And he's also a freelancer for social justice issues globally. Am I right? Social justice, human rights, innovation, um, all the works, you know. <laughs> Man, you, you got an impressive uh, CV for also for, for your age. You do a lot of stuff. And we were t just before talking in the garden a little bit about all the various projects that you're currently involved in. And well, where do we start? Where is there to start? There's so many things to say. Yeah. So I think we, we can start a little bit actually back in time. Uh, in 2014, you moved... Way in the past. Way in the past. You moved actually to, to Europe. Yeah. Because you're from... I'm from Curaçao. It's a beautiful island in the Caribbean next to Aruba in front of Venezuela, just so you can get the idea. And I... Came here to start my studies, so I chose to do um, the study of Bestuurskunde, or public administration, but in Dutch. And the reason why I chose my study is because I believe that you can create the conditions to allow people to change and become better through policy making. So I was kind of baptized into this new um, magical European world. And and how was your first impression of this magical European world? I mean, you know, I think when, when you move to another country, you try at least to prepare yourself. So, so the year before I was like just reading like hundreds of books, I think it was like a hundred books, literally a hundred books, but also recognizing that, you know, there is going to be a lot of new things and that I need to have an open mind to be able to receive that. There's a lot of opportunity, right? Right, right. Europe is very much, especially in the Netherlands, everything is interconnected and you get places to places fast and there's always an opportunity um, everywhere. So that's definitely the first impression that I received from Europe. Did you already know Dutch? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're from the colonies. What can I say? <laughs> I said it, kids. But yeah, so... Um, We got we, we, we went to school and, and one of the instruction languages is Dutch. So I did VWO, okay. um, just like um, most Dutch people do. And that's why I went to um, the university here. I could just enter. Did you feel kind of a bond with the Netherlands already? Yes. I mean, a bond is a very, you know, it's, 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 it's obviously a, a very conflicting bond, right? There's, there's, there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. It's a lot of... 
it's complex. It's 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 historically loaded. So you know, on the one hand, yes, you're Dutch, so that means you enjoy the pleasures of being a citizen of this country. Um, and at the same time, you also notice it, um, a huge inequality between parts of the kingdom. You also notice um, the fact that within your country, there is still so much to be done. Um, and often the, the, the richness and the, the wealth of this country is also a jarring experience in that sense. You also feel it in your personal past, in your personal family past, that it has had an impact. I mean, I th I think it has. I think I think this. There is always this very um, conflicting and and you know, it's 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 a love hate relationship with the Netherlands um, as as a country because of the semi former colonial sta status of Curaçao or in the former Netherlands Antilles. There have often been political frustrations, um, and especially coming from a very politically engaged home, you know. Like you hear that frustration often, you know, like, oh, this is happening again. Um, oh, there's a lot of things being imposed on us um, again. So, so, so that is also something that I grew up with within my mind. So it was also, I think, I think and when I was younger, I was very much, you know, this, this feeling was really there, right? Like this anti, you know, anti-colonial feeling. And then you have to learn to redirect it in a way that, that serves you, but also that is constructive and that is, healing and that is transformative so um that was definitely a journey to get there but i got there before i came to the netherlands so that's okay. fine <laughs> and, and was it easy to go to the netherlands or did you have to do paperwork yeah i mean i mean yes because we don't have a bsn okay so 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 asking for anything that requires a a, a digital identifier um is almost it is almost impossible because you have to live in the netherlands to get it Yeah, so for, for our listeners, a BSN is a burger service number, which is like uh, your personal identifier yes. of as a citizen within the Netherlands. Yeah, it's like a social security number thingy. Um, even though we are citizens of the Netherlands, we don't have one, which means that we have we can only get one when we get here or we live here. So, so, so often the process of getting student financing, for example, is very difficult because you have to wait and wait and wait. But at the same time, you didn't have to file in for a visa, right? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, because because we're citizens, right? Yeah. So it's um, there is freedom of movement. In the, I mean, I mean, my passport technically is the same passport um, as the Dutch passport, except the only thing is we don't have a BSN in ours. So you're a very far-reaching uh, European. Yes, which is interesting because we are European, but we're also not in the sense that um, the islands are not part of the EU. Oh, it's they're not part no, of the EU. We're not. We're not part of the EU. We are EU citizens, but we are not part of the EU. So you don't have uh, any say in European uh, Union decisions. Well, we can vote for the EU elections if we register. Okay. It's 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 it's, it's because because we're uh, how do you call it? They they call it. There, there is a difference between overseas countries and territories, OCTs, no. and um, what's the word again? Oh my gosh. I mean, Dutch, we call it ultra periphere gebieden, UPG, and that stands for... Um, ultra territorial... Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's countries that, like, for example, all of France's um, ex-colonies, ex-colonies yeah. are, are part of EU, but the UK and aren't the former, former, former member of the EU. Yeah. Um, the UK and the Netherlands, all of the countries are not part of the EU we're all um, overseas countries um, and that means the financing is different that means that um, certain laws are different but it's also interesting because the Dutch kingdom for example um, I don't know if you know how the Dutch kingdom is situated oh I'll, I'll give you all a breakdown so the Dutch kingdom consists of four different countries there is the Netherlands there is Aruba which is an island next to next to Curacao there is St. Martin which is also another autonomous country in the kingdom. So, so, so there are four constituent countries in the kingdom of the Netherlands. Curaçao, Aruba, and St. Martin are not members of the EU, but there are also other islands in the Caribbean that are also Dutch. So next to um, Curaçao, uh, Curaçao, Aruba, and St. Martin, there's also Bonaire, Seba, and St. Eustatius, who are a special municipality 
of the Netherlands as the country, like the constituent country of the Netherlands, they are a special municipality. However, even though they are a part of the Netherlands, they are not a part of the EU. They are also uh, overseas countries and territories, just like Curaçao, Aruba, and Samarta. It's a whole mess, kids. Trust me. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you made it more. <laughs> it's really complicated. It's 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 definitely complicated. Yeah. So so can we? Can I say maybe that that also led you to to do and study actually what you're currently studying? Yes, for sure. Because because I think this this political. So the political system is very, very present on Curacao. Um, politics um, connects it. Because we're a small community, politics connects to everything. And that plays a, a big role in um, how the country works, you know, roads if they're not fixed or, um, you know, um, there's no more money for, for funding education or something like that. You know, that that plays a role. So, so the funding comes from the Netherlands? No. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So okay. that's the, so the constituents... So, Curacao, Aruba, and St. Martin are autonomous countries, right? So, so that means that they are responsible for their own budget and they um, basically run themselves, except um, for two, now three key areas, which is um, foreign affairs, defense, and on again, off again, finances, and sometimes um, justice. Um, but officially, constitutionally speaking, Two areas, so foreign affairs and defense, and, and every other country is responsible for their own thing. However, in practice, that is not always the truth because there is a gigantic size difference between the, the kingdom. So the way the kingdom works, right, is that there are two important level or multiple levels of governance, obviously. That is a big thing in public administration. It's all about the focus on multi-level governance. But um, there is the the country government of um, all of the countries, so including the four ones, um, Curacao, Aruba, San Martin, the Netherlands, and there is a kingdom government. And the kingdom government consists of one minister from Aruba, one minister from San Martin, one minister from Curacao, and all of the Dutch ministers. So um, ultimately, the kingdom government is the the highest power within the within the kingdom of the Netherlands. Um, de facto, what that means just is that um, the Dutch government can basically decide what happens on, on Curacao, Aruba, and Samaritan if it falls under specific constitutional um, prerequisites. So there is this kingdom constitution called the Statute, which um, is the treaty and the, 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 the constitution for all of the countries together and kind of governs it. But the biggest problem with that is there is no control mechanism because there is no kingdom parliament. Yeah. So it's 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 a whole complex mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so there uh, we can we could say old powers are still matter. They still matter. In oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure, definitely. So old systems, old ways of uh, governing, of functioning, often are colonial. Yes, often colonial because that also, I think. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about that as well in the sense of like how Europe also relates to the rest of the world and especially with its colonial past yeah. and how also it is quite difficult because there's a part of us that says we, we want to be sorry. We want to go back and actually help again, but by d trying to help, we do a lot of mess again. Right. Yeah. So uh, what, what is actually the best way to, to, re-establish good connections with our yeah the people that we've actually been uh, suppressing to yeah. a certain extent i mean that's a good question because often you know it starts with how do i see the problem how do i see myself and often as individuals but also as countries we whitewash our history i don't know where the heroes of this story you know and and we we don't recognize that within all of us, there is the full complexity for good and for evil, you know, in that, that our past, all of our pasts are problematic. And with problematic, I mean that they are often tainted with injustice. They are often tainted with wrong choices that have caused harm and, and patholo pathologization of, um, um, you know, bad behavior, you know, the, these things that they've, they've, made them their own you know they've created certain conditions that have become rea reality within people you know often when we look at rich countries versus poor countries 
the rich countries are countries in Europe and the settler colonial states. So um, Australia, the United States, um, New Zealand, um, and some countries in Asia because of, you know, they also have lots of capitalism right there. And the poor countries are often the colonized. Um, so South America, the Caribbean, Africa, and a lot of the islands in the Pacific are the ones that are mostly poor. And now we tend to turn things upside down, right? Because we're like, oh, they're so poor, so we need to help them. Why are they poor? You know, that's always a big question that we need to ask. Why is the economic system that we have right now the way it is? And why are the the dynamics on a global level of power, of economic resources, um, of, of, of influence, of military might so skewed to those who have the historical legacy of injustice, the historical legacy of, you know, this, 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 this imposing colonialism, imposing imperialism on others. Yeah, so is that, does that go also a little bit in line with uh, what Thomas Piketty advocates? No, He wrote in his book Capitalism and Ideology as well. He looks at how um, uh, France uh, relates with Haiti, Oh Lord, don't get me started about that. <laughs> but I mean, it's there. There are still these colonial lines that exist, right? So the thing is, we want to, especially Europe and the EU, we want to live up to an image, but we're not willing to let go of the same things that are inherently the antithesis of the image that we want to create for ourselves. We can't be speaking about democracy and human rights and social justice and and you know like like opportunity for all and and, and solidarity. While at the same time, you know, France has, France has never paid reparations back to Haiti. You know, and and, and it's like, oh no, it's not going to help. Of course, it, I mean, I mean, what 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 has happened is that the the choices that you've created in the past. Continue to play within the future on an institutional level, on a social level. We call that path dependency and and this idea of historical institutionalism, where the institutions that we see today, especially in poorer countries, where we call them often corrupt or um, you know backwards, um, uncivilized, very 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 problematic language. But often, what we see is a reflection of the choices that were imposed on them and the. Uh, continuous because because it is not just a it wasn't just a one-time thing right people think oh slavery ended in i'm here in the netherlands 1863 so everything was fine afterwards that's a lie yeah it's 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 an illusion so we can push it backwards you know i think curacao had like a, a big uprising in 1969 you know to fight for um, equal pay for workers especially um all of the all of the racial sentiments that were playing on on you know underground came up. That was like forty years ago, fifty years. Oh Jesus! Yeah, way more. That's a, that's a, that's a but, long time. Should we then, on a European level, actually have this kind of conversation of like oh, rethinking sure. and re-approaching uh, also our old? It is important. It is important yeah. because what you don't see, what you choose to not see, will harm you. And, and what you choose to ignore will continue to drive your actions and you drive your behaviors and your thoughts. And then you were continuously asking the question or acting all surprised when an example, when immigrants enter into um, Europe, Europe space, yeah. you know, we're like, oh, why is this, why is this happening? Surprise, Pikachu, boo. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. And I'm like, it's not a surprise if you understand where you come from to heal and to change, you need to recognize that you need to change. And again, it's it's not just about guilt, right? Because often I think we we end up bogged down into this conversation about, oh, but I feel so bad because I'm guilty. It's not just about, I mean, it is about feelings, but it's also not just about your feelings in the sense of, oh my gosh, now I feel guilty and I feel bad about myself. You can process that. As a country, we can process that as a, as a, as a nation, as a continent, as a union, we can process that if we're willing. And when we do so, we will be accelerated. When we do so, our growth will increase. But as long as we ignore it, it's going to continue to 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 break down um, communication. 
and 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 policy is not going to work. I mean, we see it in all these international crises, right? Like when you recognize something, when you admit, oh, that was a thing, you can start moving on. I mean, Germany did it. I mean, they still have tons of far right extremists and stuff like that, but collectively speaking, they decided we are going to admit wrongdoing and we are going to um, change. And economically speaking, they are doing amazing. They've always done econo- economically I mean, well. I mean, not after the war. No, not after, <laughs> not after the wars. The wars, especially the first one. And that's what also brought them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so would be actions of like uh, apologies already be a good start? Yeah. 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 Apologies are a great start. Funny enough, I was at a meeting um I think it was two weeks ago. So I was invited to also partake in the... So the, the Dutch government is planning... They're not planning an apology. I hope they are. Like, if y'all are hearing this, Ooh, y'all this better go big, with that. Big news. <laughs> but um, they are... They launched a committee um, to 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 um, really think, rethink about um, remembrance of, of slave trade. And 2023, um, they've declared that to be the year of remembrance. Okay. So they're organizing a lot of sessions and they're busy writing a policy actually right now. So they're advising, they're going to advise the um, Minister of Internal Affairs on how to give how to give a bit of content to the year 2023. So I was also invited to um, have a, a meeting with other um, politicians and um, people that are um, in NGOs to, to, to speak really about um, what we feel is the option. And I think, so So there is something that is moving, but they have to be willing to follow true. If they are not willing to follow true, um, it's going to be for nothing. You know, and an apology is a recognition of harm and a recognition of co-responsibility towards, um, you know, like, like co-creation of a better solution. Okay, so... Now we've been very much focused yeah. on, the, on the Netherlands, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's past. But do you think Europe as a whole should apologize? The problem with Europe as a whole, right, is that it is it is a very fragmented union. And certain countries have not had that colonial past. And certain countries often are exploited by the ones who are often the colonizers, um, for example, Western Europe, um, so most of the countries in Western Europe and Southern Europe were, were the ones who went out and invaded other countries and, and gained a lot of wealth from that. Um, often countries in Eastern Europe were very much oppressed. So Europe should take responsibility. The question is, how do you frame it in a way that recognizes also um, the the lesser responsibility for certain countries and i mean they all have their own issues right so so there's a lot of racism and a lot of um, injustice happening there but the context is entirely different here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And, yeah. You just said something. You said racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your take on racism in Europe? I mean, racism was born here. Like, racism literally is a justification and an institutionalization of behaviors that created a distinction um, in racial supremacy and this idea of skin color being connected to your identity. Um, For our listeners, our... I'm black. <laughs> black is a great word. Black, black is the word we use. <laughs> But yes, racism in... And Europe, Europe created racism as we see it today because of this transatlantic slavery. And if Europe never went to colonize um, the Americas and also never used, um, because because let, let me backtrack. I'll say slave labor um, has always existed, but racialized people and racialized slave labor as it existed in the transatlantic slave trade had never existed before because it was used as an economic tool. Is that a fact? Yes, it is a fact because um, what, what happened with, 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 with racialization of black people is that it was used as a, as a tool of, of creating a, a, a type of hierarchy in society in order to impose um, labor on, on, on a group of people for their whole life and for the generations and beyond. Often slavery that was in Africa or in, in Europe was often limited. Um, the, the, the personhood of someone was never denied and never removed. Um, slavery um, in the transatlantic slave trade turned people into complete goods. So it was not, they were not considered human anymore. They were complete. There was this complete dehumanization of black people. And, and, and they were treated and they became objects. Um, they were like a bit more than animals, a bit um, way less than humans. So, so, so it was this, this complete removal of, of human, of, of the humanity and the creation of race because race as a concept never existed. You know, people, skin, skin color always existed, but this idea that your skin color was inherently connected to your value and that your skin color was inherently connected to whether you are inferior or superior, whether you are smarter, whether you can do more things or you are um, able to, to, to be free or not had never existed. Um, at least not in the history that we know. And, and, and tribes like the Ashanti um, also had like slaves, but, but their slave labor was often because of, um, a battle being lost and then the people um, were kidnapped and they became sl slaves and they were enslaved and they had to build something for the people. And then, you know, 10, 15 years, they could buy themselves out free. And I mean, it was still brutal. It was brutal. And it was inhumane. It was really brutal. For it, was, it, it was, it was, it was. But the generational impact of it was limited because of the fact that there was freedom. It, it was traumatic. But the transatlantic slave trade it created this gigantic level of generational trauma that continues to haunt um the whole world up to this day not just black people but also white people so could we say that um europe is scared of migrants because of this but and th that's an that's a very powerful point you're making and I, i'm not sure you realize but because I am scared of what someone else will do because in my mind, they will treat me as I have treated them. Okay. That's, that, that is very, that's very interesting. I mean, I mean, 
It is because, because, because why do people expect migrants to come here and hurt people and, and steal money and, and kill people? Why, why is that expectation there? Where does it come from? You know, did they ever do that before? Who did it before? Oh, wait, we did it before. And so we expect people to treat us the same way they've treated others. And which is why we, we continuously cling to this and as in Europe to this repression of, 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 of the other, because we feel if they come into a space, they will do the same that, that they've done before. Yeah. 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 And do you think now it's provocative? Are these thoughts well-placed in the sense of like, uh, do they have any base to be concerned of? I mean, you know, the thing is with generational trauma, right? Is when you create generational trauma, it comes back to bite you. And, and, and what we see in, in North Africa happening right now is literally their creation that is coming back. You know, the chickens have come home to roost, as I like to say, because, and, and I don't mean it in a, it's not great. It's not a good thing, but it is what happens when you continuously refuse to deal with the legacy and the historical injustices that you've created and you push it off because, oh no, it's Africa and Africa is poor. And now suddenly North Africa is coming to you and you're like, oh my gosh, um, we need to stop this and we need to keep our borders safe. You know, and, and, and there is a responsibility that they do have to do it because obviously you cannot always, you can't take everybody in. Um, however, Um, and there's a big, however, you know, this idea that these people are invaders is so wrong. Um, you know, invaders don't come to your country begging for scraps. And isn't that also the narrative that led Britain to leave the Europe? That, oh, they're, they're all coming to live. They're all coming to live here. And we don't want that. Um, it's, and it's interesting, right? Because Great Britain has, you know, one of the biggest the biggest colonial power i mean almost in forever right the and 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 they're afraid of more people coming to them um it's the audacity for me but you know and 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 that connects again with this idea of white supremacy and 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 this is a link right like because whiteness isn't just about skin color right i think i think people think that race and racism is about skin color Uh, race is it's a, it's a case system it's it what's why i like the term racialized people because you having light skin color and me having a dark skin color means absolutely nothing you know like like, like oh, it's, it's it's a nice tint however the the hierarchy that was imposed on people created this 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 virus is this generational trauma that impacts the way people think the way people see themselves, but also the economic opportunities for the people that were labeled as less and black skin, dark skin was seen as the least and, and, and white skin often, not always often was seen as, as, as human was seen as honorable was seen as, um, and, and, Well, seen as great, you know, the, the closer you were to white skin, the better you were, except ra race was not always just about color, right? It was also about politics. Race has always been about politics because um, the Irish were not white. The Polish were not white. Um, Italians were not considered white in the U.S. You know, so, so, so they, there is this whiteness often is connected to privilege um, inherently, Um, and not light skinness, but whiteness is connected to this idea of I have the privilege and the honor to dominate and to control the world and the economic system and to dictate the terms towards others that are lesser. You know, and, and so when we look at um, the UK now, again, right, um, dictating that and, and deciding that I get to do it with someone else, but somebody else does not get to do it with me. Is literally, is literally the example of white supremacy, you know, and, and and it's 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 the mindset that we are superior and we deserve more. You are inferior. You deserve less. This is a good <laughs> pause for for thought. Actually, we're gonna leave the listeners think a moment. Now you thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
next. <laughs> next. Okay, so you dropped a lot of bombs, very good ones, in the sense of trying to to foster and uh, rethink how we perceive ourselves and also how we perceive our neighbors, everybody uh, surrounding us. And at the same time, you are very much involved, as I mentioned at the beginning, with two different projects. Uh, you're a fellow at the German Marshall Fund, which is a think tank, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah. And what do you think about there? I mean, the German Marshall Fund was a it 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 was a think tank that was um, launched as a gift um, from Germany to the U.S. for the for the Marshall Plan, and um, basically its focus is on transatlantic values and and the transatlantic relationship. So so basically, a lot of what we covered, and 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 I'm a TILN fellow, and that stands for a transatlantic leader. Um, so, so, so it's, it's a lot about diversity and inclusion, but we basically, what I do is like, we're connected with like all of these new leaders, um, um, arising throughout Europe, um, and, and the U S and we're trying to connect to each other and do projects on democracy, on human rights, on values, on, um, justice, um, but also on climate, um, in order to create a stronger bond between, um, the Atlantic. And is it working? You know the thing is right on a grassroots level on a grassroots level and and, uh, and on on the level beneath you know the highest level it often is working because a lot of the people that do this are people that are self you know self reflective they're people that um think about policy they're people that are knowledgeable and they are wise often at the top that is not the case and the reason it's not the case is because the top is often a reflection of um the condition of the people within a country. It doesn't mean that they're bad or good, but the condition is also a reflection of, you know, what is happening in the world. You know, we see um, the destruction of the middle class. We see um, extreme economic inequality, um, climate change, um, dehumanization of people um, through multiple means, you know, through racism, but also through work. Um, you know, that, that, that work can be so alienating, very Marxist of me, but yes, it can be very, and that, that work can be, um, alienating people. Like, you know, factory work. So, so if you're never confronted with new ideas and never think about others and never reflect openly about your history, um, the people that you will get leading your country is the same type of people that you have become. And it's not that you don't have the potential to change. You do. Everyone does. However, when we have a culture that does not love education, that does not love learning, that thinks it's bad, that thinks it's... With education, what kind of education are you talking about? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, self-reflection. I love, I love self-reflection. Self-reflection is key to almost all growth. If you are not self-reflective, if you cannot understand um, and, and, and just look at yourself and admit when things are good within you, when, things, when you feel bad or, or be okay and open to receiving feedback without um, it causing you shame. Look at all the dictators, right? They're often very, very insecure people, insecure people and, and as individuals, right? And when they are elected... You know, that insecurity that they have within them, you know, it often is systematized and institutionalized and the whole system revolves around their insecurity. Um, and we see it happening again also in Europe, you know, and, and, and it's not that these people don't, you know, and, and, and that's the issue with democracy, right? Democracy is a force for great good, but also a force for great evil, because if the people are not in the space that they need to be, or need to be is a very normative statement. But if they are not in a space that is constructive, if they are not in a space that is, you know, that, that, that they are at peace, and, and with peace, I do not mean Pax, which is what we normally use as peace, which is about order and structure and hierarchy, but I often mean, um, I don't even remember the word, but basically, what? Harmony? Yeah, and, and justice and, and, and that we are woven in together. I think in ancient Greek the, the, the meaning for, for peace is to be woven into each other. You know, like like a rug. You 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 are weaved into each other. And we live in a culture, and not just in Netherlands, but globally speaking, especially in the West, where we are 
the most disconnected we've ever been, while at the same time being extremely connected. You know, oh, internet is here. You can speak with everybody, but we're more selfish. We're more hyper-individualistic. Everybody has a burnout. You know, like everybody's depressed. And again, we're not blaming the individuals, but if something is happening once, you know, okay, that's an individual person. But if it's happening on such a large scale, we need to question ourselves, why the heck is it happening to us, all of us? So yeah, like like we you gotta be connected for you to be self reflective and 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 for you to to elect good leaders. That's how that's how you get a good that's how we get a good democracy. Democracy functions when the systems serve people when there is justice and yeah you can you can never say there is a state of justice. It's always something that is being done. Uh, it's justice is something that we do. I'm going to be, again, provocative. Is yeah. actually democracy the best way to go? I mean, it's... The best way is... I, I don't believe this and this idea of the best way. You know, it's a way. Um, we're, 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 we're on this road already, you know. Um, the, the thing is, every type of governance can be the best way if people that are doing it are self-reflective they are just they care about others they are connected to themselves and to the community they um you know they they treat their strangers and neighbors kindly any system can work like that the reason why we chose democracy or at least why i feel democracy is helpful when say the best or even good but helpful is because it spreads the it spreads the responsibility you know because you can you know it's a a dictator is a hit or miss right it could be a great person but it could also be like a horrifying person and the impact of of the power and the responsibility that they have is huge within a democratic system you spread it out especially multi-party democracies you spread it out so much that um the risk of only like, like getting like a toxic insecure leader is minimized and it is imperative on having an educated populace democracy is imperative to you, you need to have people that are conscious and people that are politically involved and active and engaged we live in a society that doesn't really value that you know so 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 if we want to guarantee that democracy continues to work we need to put in the work and that is also what you're writing right now it's about good governance and yes. your, your master's thesis yeah so i'm working on uh, my, my master's thesis is focused on good governance um on curacao and comparing it to um the netherlands and then basically looking at cultural perspectives and in which measure um, cultural perspectives um influence the the concept and the idea of good governance um on the island um because because often like the dutch caribbean especially um they're accused of being corrupt and accused of um, not doing enough, not being enough, not, not working hard enough on their finances and stuff like that. And it often comes um, from the Netherlands. You know, the accusations come from members of parliament here or from the secretary of state. Um, and, you know, the, the problem with good governance, in my opinion, um, isn't that it's a bad thing. I, I think good governance is good, but it's such a container term for random things um, it is often a very ill-defined terminology. Um, I think most most of the time we use the the good governance concept of the World Bank, um, but it's often created based on certain metrics that very much value um, Western um, ideas of business, Western ideas of um, of, of of what is um, of nepotism and stuff like that. Or 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 in Dutch they say vriendschap politique, um, like like like. And Cron- politics, yeah. yeah. Cronyism, is it cronyism? It's one of the isms. Nepotism. No, but nepotism is a family, right? <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, you know, in, in, in a post-colonial state, right? Or semi-colonial, post-colonial, um, island states, for example, you know, they're going to, they're, they're smaller, they're more vulnerable economically. They're more vulnerable politically because there are larger players out there that are able to influence. You know, 
what is an island government going to do with when when, when uh, a gang wants to wants to like a, a big mafia family wants to enter the country and use it as a platform for drugs, you know, and with all of the money and the influence and the power and the weapons that they have, they can do serious damage. Um, how do you, how do you define good governance when the vulnerability is so huge? Um, food security, for example, um, the islands barely um, have their own food. Um, you know, they barely, they barely, um, harvest their own their own food because there's not enough space and it's dry and because of all a lot of historical and cultural reasons because of slavery again um, they don't have enough food um, so they need to import everything so COVID boom everything is closed the economy stops moving money stops coming in and we don't produce anything for ourselves so we're vulnerable and so just a week ago, actually less than a week ago, uh, the G7 met up and they discussed the fact of setting a minimum corporate tax of 15% around the world now to avoid tax havens. But certain islands, as you just mentioned, actually thrive or live on actually being a tax haven. So isn't that also... take? Uh, this is very controversial um, what I'm saying, but isn't it actually taking away one of the ways that these airlines can uh, live on. I mean, the Dutch took it from us already. Like, 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 in fact, Curacao used to be, we used to have much more um, offshore companies, but I think in the early 2000s, the Netherlands was like, no, you're going to, oh, it was in the nineties. You're going to have to stop doing that and um, do a lot of um, um, changes within, within your structures and, and, and your laws and make it so that it's less lucrative and less, um, able to be influenced um, by, by offshore companies. And so we did it. And they, they, the promise was that they, in return, you'd get more investment, etc. And the IMF would help with funding and implementing it. Um, so what happened, what's also very traumatic for the islands, is that they never followed through. So, so all of the things were done. They, they removed people. Um, they changed the tax systems. And a lot of people had to leave because they lost jobs and the government lost revenue. And it, it it never became a thing, you know. So 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 they didn't follow through with their plans, and that 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 also led to this big exporting of of people. That people came to live in the Netherlands, which kind of created like this whole culture of Antilliana in the Netherlands. That's a whole thing. But to come back to your point about taxation, right? Um, the big issue is that. Um, often these countries um, benefit from it because of the system that is already unjust that exists that penalizes them and that has consistently stolen. Yeah, I'll say stolen. I'll say stolen has stolen a lot of revenue and a lot of opportunity of, um, from them because of political maneuvering, particularly in the Caribbean. So that also kind of shows where the power lies. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I mean, again, in theory, we're all equal countries and sovereignty matters, but um, power plays is the, I mean, the Monroe Doctrine, um, for the record, for all those who don't know, the Monroe Doctrine is a, is a U.S. doctrine that was developed last century, before, that, that um, basically says that all of South America and, and the Caribbean is the U.S.'s area of influence, um, but Europe also has that still with the ex-colonies, right? Because the U.S. is area of influence. But, you know, Curacao is like like a Dutch colony. So, well, Dutch constituent country. But <laughs> to, to put it nicely. <laughs> yes, to put it nicely. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to recognize that power dynamics play a huge role in, in why countries are still poor. Because often, and I would look at Africa, right? Like Africa is also so poor. But they are the richest continent when it comes to resources. How is that the case that they um, that they cannot develop their own resources, that they, their, their resources cannot be exported? You know, like why? Yeah, yeah and uh, I, I don't get me started because otherwise we, we go wander off. No, um, there's like... A lot of criticism towards uh, China of investing in in Africa and investing also in, South America and the Caribbean and in uh, many other parts of the world. And 
and actually employing their own Chinese workforce. Yeah, yeah. But now we're like pointing the finger towards China. But what are we as Europe actually doing in funding? And it's oh, actually the same. Very little as either compared to the uh, to China. No, I mean. Technically speaking, I, I don't know if you know that the the ACP um the ACP EU agreement um that's going to be developed again. I think I think it, I think they finally finished negotiating. Could you dismantle the so the so ACP? ACP stands for African Caribbean Pacific, and that stands for like um so the EU has like a relationship with um a group of like I think it's fifty four to eighty four countries, um and they create special funding mechanisms that all those countries can um, get money from and, and, and fund projects within their countries um, if they hold themselves to specific um, requirements. So, so there is, there are funding mechanisms out there um, and they're doing some things, right? They're doing some good things even. Um, I think one of the big problems with um, the ACP um, EU Agreement, but also a lot of EU's um, neighborhood funding um, mechanisms is that the the requirements are extremely high. Um, the EU is very very difficult um, with with handing out money. Thank you, the Netherlands. <laughs> but it's, it's also in, in Europe, it's very difficult to yeah, get yeah. the the various projects or tenders. They're yeah, very it's, it's, it's so much steps. Everything you have to do, 10 pages, you know, like like of documents that you have to send in and the evaluations that you have to continuously send in every three months or stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. And often people don't have the expertise to write those grants, don't have the expertise to, to write proposals or to apply for the positions or to put in all of the labor because, and especially with NGOs, this is a big issue, there is no structural funding. If there's no structural funding for NGOs, who's who's gonna do the writing? You know, if I'm not paid, I have to do this on my free time to get a project. And then often the maybe even not winning it, right? Yeah, oh, the chance is huge. I mean, there's hundreds of organizations that apply for these things. So you'd spend 15 hours or 20 hours doing that, and then not get it, you wouldn't get paid. You know, and, and, and this lack of structural funding um, for NGOs, at least, is a big reason why um, the EU's, um, you know, you know, a lot of the impact that they create is often one off. You know, it's, like, oh, we did a cool project. And then um, it goes on for a few years and it stops because the, 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 there is no continuity. There is no continuation of, of this because these organizations are focused on survival for countries the problem is often that they have extremely high requirements for democracy and good governance. And we come back to that. And, and, and again, and that's why I'm writing this research for the Dutch Caribbean, their good governance is very much connected to this idea of a European values and European values aren't always bad. Um, they aren't always good. You know, it, it can it can be good and it can be bad, but the framework that they use for good governance is not at all applicable. No, it doesn't connect. It doesn't connect with um, the cultural reality. You know, if your culture is very much focused on connectivity, right, on helping each other, you know, on a holistic level, right, then you are not going to. You know, you know, you know, you are not going to be as as nitpicky about every single small thing as somebody else. And and in Europe, we're very nitpicky about costs. We're very nitpicky about on time and, and on schedule. And and oh, if it takes a bit longer, that's fine. Um, oh, or certain things that they consider corruption that wouldn't be considered corruption in in another country, for example. Oh, my neighbor has a problem. Oh, don't worry, I'll help you. You know that that is considered corruption. But if your culture is focused on helping your neighbors and seeing that as something good, you know, you setting a requirement that that will not happen. Uh, and that will, will be broken. Yeah, it will be broken. And then, then the funding structure stops and then you don't get it. You know, it's this illusion that we can impose a cultural perspective that they do not have um, on them. And, 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 and still gain influence. It's like, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna only kind of help you. You're going to fail. 
and then we're going to blame you and then we're going to act as though you owe us something. It's it's a whole <laughs> And I'm like again, there are a lot of good intentions. I don't want to I don't want to say that it, people are not trying. They are, they're doing their best. There's there's good things happening, but we need to really reevaluate the criteria that we use. And when we reevaluate them and when we connect with people on the ground, what do they need? How do they need it? What do they care about? What is important? You know, and in and, 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 and which way do they they maneuver? Which way does the country work? But 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 we want to because because that's where all of these things come together, right? Um generational trauma also creates cultural values. Often I, I like to say um your trauma is not your culture, but often um Tra- traumatic experiences that are imposed on people through time and time and time again, you know, they are going to define partially at least how institutions function. And if these institutions, and especially when you look at colonialism, right? Often the people that were put to manage the colonies were horrible leaders, horrifyingly exploitative and corrupt people. And they were the ones who defined the political culture and the, and the institutional culture of many countries, right? So, so, so this expectation that suddenly they have to fulfill these, these um, values that they've never known, right? Because it's the same values that Europe sent to them. You know, the, the, the values that Europe sent to others were very much exploitation, corruption, destruction, um, because that's what the colonizers had to do to be able to dominate. And that is the same behavior that is being perpetuated in Caribbean and South America and in Africa. You know, so it is literally of our own making again, but we've civilized, you know, no, we're good now. Right. So so because we're good now, like we expect extreme high standards from them, but we've always exported the exploitation and exported the injustice. And and now we're so surprised that people can't 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 live up to the expectations that we have. Ding, ding, ding. I cannot say anything further. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Gilberto, this has been uh, an amazing chat. Yeah, I want to thank you, uh, Gilberto Mori. This was Mo- Gilberto Morishaw. Uh, Morishaw, how do you say it? Morishaw. Morishaw. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me here today. Uh, this has been my first podcast in face-to-face, actually. So it has been great uh, to have you here uh, in The Hague. And please, everybody, uh, check him out. Check all the great work that he's doing uh, with the various organizations he's working for. And because then maybe you can also apply to some of them and or be... And change um, the world. Exactly. (laughs) This is great. I love it. Thank you all and have a pleasant day, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thank you for having me. Ciao, ciao. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Europe Matters. Special thanks goes to my assistant producer, Antonio Mattesini. Let us know who we should interview next by writing a comment and sharing it with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn using the handle at Europe Matters. Don't forget to leave a review on whichever podcast streaming platform you use. And if you really like this show, The best way to support us is by making a donation on patreon.com. You can learn more at www.europematters.com. Speak to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.